The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. My family thinks I'm crazy. A podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most. Because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with your... Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah, so who are we talking about today, Matt? Conscious beings have marveled under the rolling celestial quilt floating gently in the onyx ink obsidian black abyss. Wondering, dreaming, wanting, stories were told, myths were lived, and the infinite conscious isness was and is and always will be and was told in story without veil, without doubt, until true darkness befell the human world and the stellar lines that once traced the crystal matrix web of shining coruscation slowed down to the speed of light those lines became sleek raven feather chains gripping the planet keeping us imprisoned in our arconic cage and the stories lost their meaning in this darkness brave scientifically focused minds have dared to question the patriarchal arconic storytelling paradigm gatekeepers copernicus Galileo, Bruno, Cardano, and many more. And although today's guest is no martyr, he has certainly suffered from the Church of YouTube's royal thought police. And at this point, he should wear it as a badge of honor. In the vein of Copernicus and Bruno, our guest has his own radical scientific revelations that may inspire your own radical re-examination of our sun, moon, and stars. Here at last, Crow 777 joins me, Mystic Mark, here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this interview with Pro 777. Vegas was built on the law of large numbers and the wisdom of the crowd. We go to a county fair and we pass this table and there's this big, big mason jar full of gumballs. And there's a sign there that says, guess how many gumballs, whoever gets closest to the actual number will win $1,000. So all these people are coming. Well, I think there's 500. Some people are ridiculous. I think there's half a million. Some people are ridiculous the other way. I think there's 100. Clearly, there's a lot more gumballs. By the time a few hundred people have guessed, when you average every guess, you're within about 
10, 20%. When you start to get up into thousands of people, you're within 1%. If you do it long enough with enough people, you're on the money every time. How can that be? That's wisdom of the crowd. That is such a low level of achievement compared to what AI can pull off now. Because everybody is interacting with the idea of gumballs. In other words, my guess is directly related to the gumballs. What AI does is derives things like when you will die from information that seemingly has nothing to do with when you will die. AI is a nightmare world coming. And people like to say, well, what is the new world that might get here? I would suggest to you that is technocratic communism. It's just communism with the worst police you've ever seen because AI is the police. The cell phone in your pocket is the police. The digital realities of our time are the police and you can't cheat because data is data. This doesn't have to go badly all the way through and any individual can have the power to pull themselves up and out to some degree. We're going to have a tough time though. I think that's pretty certain we're going to lose a lot of lives. Having said that, all you have to do is not accept things that are unacceptable. All you have to do is try to find others of like mind, have compassion, respect the creation, pray every single day and give thanks for what we've been granted here. And never forget that at the zygote, nine months before your birth, you were granted the most precious of gifts, the divine spark, free will, and you were given beneficiaryship of this creation. been studying your work for a while keeping up with your interviews on various shows and following along on crow777radio.com i highly recommend all the listeners if you have not save that in your bookmarks on your desktop please do so or like and subscribe and follow on the same app that you're listening right now but crow you sort of have a, a unique origin and a unique place in this community. You don't see many people, A, questioning mainstream science in a practical, hands-on way, and then you don't see many people going and questioning monumental things like, hey, you know, I'm actually starting to question whether or not the moon is real. And like I said, I've been following you for a while, so I'm with you. I'm there with you, but if there's anybody new in the audience, can we maybe start at the beginning and when you started to say, like, I am not okay with what they're telling me the moon is, and I'm going to start looking at it myself. When did this begin? Well, first, let me start. Thanks for having me on. For everybody listening, there's one of those ground packing machines going in my backyard right now, so I apologize if the noise leaks in. I quit working for corporations after I lost my job due to September 11. It was, you know, I'd won the president's award in that corporation, the highest honor they give. And I was fired a short time later with most of the staff. I then went freelance. And then when the economy crashed again around, oh, 
06 to 08, I said, that's it. I'm never working for another corporation again for the rest of my life. And I had been freelance and I decided I'm, I'm going to do what I've wanted to do. I, I broke out my telescope and it all started on a super moon in May of, I think, 2012. Hard to remember now. And we saw all these bizarre triangular objects transiting the moon for a long, long time. I had my family over and I thought, wow, I've got to get a camera on the scope. I need tomorrow. I'm going out to get the stuff I need to do that. And I did it thinking, you know what? I'll shoot another year. I'll never see anything like that. Fate would have it was not that long before I started to shoot things, but I was putting in the time. There were eight hour nights. There were 12 hour nights. It got to the point where I was filming with a telephoto all day and then with the telescope well into the night and didn't know how I was going to pay my rent. You know, I just walked away from everything. I didn't care anymore. I, I'd had it up to my eyeballs. And then the fateful day of the real fall equinox in September of 2012, I accidentally shot the lunar wave. And I held on to that for a year because I had been a webmaster. I knew censorship was coming. I knew way back then, I knew what social media was going to become. And people kept bugging me that I had shown the phone, please open YouTube. And I didn't want to do it. Finally, I gave in about a year later. And in the fall, October, I believe, of 2013, I posted the lunar wave and hell broke loose. It was unreal how quickly I was not allowed to live as I had. And then within a month, the flat earth thing bubbled to the surface rapidly. And many of the people in that community were referencing the, the things that I had shot. So that's basically how it all started. Right. And, and that was that concerning when this group of, of people with the flat earth community started taking your beliefs and, and, or not your beliefs, your findings and, and, sort of putting them alongside their beliefs or was that ins inspiring? I mean, sure, you might not agree, but there's a lot of interesting people. <laughs> so I, I learned very quickly, it wasn't the flat earth community that was the initial problem. It was the rest of the world. I had to change my phone number. I had to ditch my email addresses and change everything. And then people within certain communities were saying a lot of things I didn't agree with. So I learned very quickly that I would not be joining groups and that I would openly say, I support flat earth. They're doing what they should be doing. They should be questioning all this stuff, right. but I don't want to inherit your belief system. I'm my own man and I will rely on firsthand observation. And I'm also a guy who reads a hell of a lot. And for me, older is better. And so I kind of separated myself still to this day, kind of from the world interact, but I don't, I don't become part of other movements. That's fair. And I commend you for that. I, I find myself entertaining the flat earth with the same disposition, like, okay, I'm respectful. I'm impressed that you guys are, are this F you to the system that you're, you're throwing the whole book out and there's a certain, you know, quality to that that's worth respecting. But at the same time, yeah, I, I do not group think, you know, the title of this show is my family thinks I'm crazy. And you know, that's just as much of a true statement as a catchy title for a show. So yeah, I, I am with you, Crow, and, and I commend you for that. Now, when it comes to the lunar wave, it's a, 
anomalous thing that I don't think any astronomer, uh, at least academic astronomer, has ever recognized. Is that true? Have you seen any corroborating anything? Or are you solely, you know, responsible for finding this, this lunar wave and bringing it into the human consciousness? Well, I think, you know, there was there was an information age that lasted about three or four years. And that was when all this happened. You could find just about anything on YouTube for a very short period of time before we switched over to the age of deception, which is where we exist now. Mm. The information age was such a tiny window. And just because of how it happened and people, you know, nobody was really filming quality footage with high-end optics and telescopes so yeah to some degree it was just dumb luck really it all happened when it happened and you know i could have had another year but i didn't want to be part of social media and when i did become part of social media all at once everything changes but you know the i i always suspect that and we looked this up Actually, a guy, another guy that we used to know said, did you realize the flat earth community popped up exactly a month after you posted? We went back when you could still do that. And we realized it was correct. The thing about it is the flat earth community has latched onto a thing that most of the world has no clue about space and this world and this place are misdescribed. It is provable. It is not arguable. I don't care how many scientists are listening. If you will not take the time to go challenge what we just said, what I just said, then what you're doing is joining the scientism crowd and saying, because someone wrote this in a textbook or because the scientific community accepts this as correct, this is the way it is. And by the way, that's not how science works. How science works is someone has a question, everybody gets on their little horse and buggy and they go out and test it. And then after test, after test, after test, there's a consensus or there's not. We we don't know or no, we've learned this. The point is, I can say without any hesitation, you don't even know what the shape of the continent you're standing is, what shape it is. You don't know how many continents there are. You don't know anything about what's called the South Pole. You, I mean, I could go on and on. You don't know how far the sun and moon are from from us. You don't know that there is a hard, fast barrier that some people like to call the firmament. Some people like to call a dome. The scientists like to make up stuff like the Van Allen belt. Everybody has a version for what's there. But if you go back to the older times, they knew. They openly knew. The Hebrew word for the firmament means dome. <laughs> means dome. Unfortunately, not many of us can read the older languages. Luckily, some of the teachers that I've acquired are highly educated and they do read and comprehend these older languages. But it, it, we, we live in an era where those who have realized things are not as they seem are marginalized while this takeover takes place that's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I love everything you're saying about science. It's it's so unfortunate to see the status quo scientists get so much traction while thousands of brilliant, innovative people are out there questioning this mainstream established narrative. And, you know, save for the extreme cases where their life is is taken from them or put at risk, 
you know, for the most part, they're blackballed. They're they're not given the ability to operate the way the ne'er do well followers are. You know, the way the you know look down and and follow Long Johnny type scientists are kind of playing in this realm. But we have some examples of innovative people that have pushed the sort of barrier forward. I want to get into them. I don't want to fast forward too much, but you did mention Rudolf Steiner and Victor Schauberger in the notes. So I hope we can get into them at some point. Um, Very familiar with Victor Schauberger. But when it comes to the lunar wave, it's been 10 years almost now. I don't know what month you you did this. 10 years about. September 2012 on the true equinox, not the stated equinox, the the news lies about when an equinox occurs. Mm -hmm. An equinox is equal day and night, and it occurs dependent on your geography. And so people can comprehend because most people glaze over like, I don't know what he's talking about. If you're in California, the sun does not rise at the same time when you're in New York. Right. Two people in those places experience a different, that's how an equinox works. Right. Where I am, the equinox will usually fall, the, the the spring equinox on about the 17th or 18th. If someone's north of me a day before, if someone's south of me a day later, just to put it out there. Right, right. Well, and given that you've spent so much time thinking about this over the past almost 10 years now, has your theory changed obviously as a a true scientist it should change if you find new information but how how much has has your it changed and how much has your definition of what you saw changed everything has changed and it constantly changes because some years ago where i used to set up my telescope in lemon grove california there was a tree that used to block part of my view and one day i just had an epiphany Every day I've come out, this tree grows. And I started to think, I have people in my family who've never changed their spiritual point of view or any point of view for all the time I've known them. And yet nature shows us, look at this tree. Every day it grows. And I changed everything I did at that point. I will never hold on to anything if I have reason to doubt it. And so what I know this month is not what I know next month. And to be honest with you, I don't really remember who coined lunar wave maybe it was me maybe it wasn't but if i was going to rename it today knowing what i know now i would call it a firmament wave it's been filmed in front of jupiter saturn a number of times and so that's basically the path of the ecliptic or you know the 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 rough division of the sky where the sun moon and so-called planets go it's been filmed there at first i was convinced hey man this is peculiar to the moon and i had it in my head back then that it was probably tied to the equinoxes in some strange way because just the way the filmings had happened. I ended up filming it five times. And actually what happened is I filmed it, hell broke loose. So many people saying that I faked it, which was ridiculous. And, you know, anyone who studied the film, it it was a couple things. If you studied the film, it was provably a filmed event, provably because of the camera pan. But the other thing is that I filmed it the second time or the only known second time. I think there were other people who had got it, but just nobody realized, I think. But a year and a half later, I filmed it at the other equinox or near the other equinox. And then hell broke loose all again, because here I am, the only guy who everyone thinks has filmed it twice. So clearly I'm faking it. And over time, you know, a lot of other people filmed it. And when it gets filmed in front of Jupiter and Saturn, that's a huge, huge tell. 
Because one thing, when you look up at those luminaries, it's a tiny dot in the sky. When you put it in a decent sized scope, the dot's a little bit bigger, but the speed at which those waves went across that tiny little protrusion of light in our optics, um, that's a telling thing. But I suspect at this point, and I can't prove it, but with all I know, I suspect it is a wave in what we call the firmament. And it's it's so astounding. I, I really, you know, I really can't dismiss it given the blind acceptance from the majority of people. I mean, if we were living at Crow, if we were living in a world where everybody had their own adjacent theory to Lunar Wave, maybe we could, you know, have some arguments here. But when you've demonstrated on film numerous times this phenomena and still it doesn't even make its way into the universities or any sort of research groups. It just, it goes to show what's going on here. There's an embargo against discovery. We've reached, like you said, the, the cap on the age of the information. And unfortunately we may be in the age of deception. And you and I have both had this guest on a Mr. Michael Hoffman, very, very interesting guy, sort of a legend in my opinion, in this community. And he's talked about how the nuclear tests down there in I think it was uh, Nevada, right? White Sands, New Mexico, right? New Mexico, yeah. And he's talked about how that was an alchemical ritual, and I've heard you talk about this many times. Sam often questions on his show, you know, the the veracity of nuclear weapons. But if we could switch gears a little bit, because although I'm I'm very interested in in learning more about the sky clock you've spent a lot of time talking about that and i do want people to go and check out crow triple seven radio so please folks if you're interested in learning more about crow's view of the night sky please go and check out his show he's tackled these topics in depth all the details far better than i could uh (laughs) paraphrase here now but i do want to get your uh thoughts on nukes and and mr hoffman's approach because you know it's rare that people appreciate him in this podcast community you know i don't know many other podcasts besides ours that have even had him on as a guest mr hoffman is a legend he is old school journalist a no-nonsense capable as all hell he has written some of the best books on the vatican that i have ever read not mainstream the real deal taking it apart brick bread by brick ironically he loves catholicism he is i would venture i think he is a catholic and yet he takes all this time to show how the leadership has ruined catholicism right but that man co-wrote a book with a man named james shelby downard mr downard showed us more than anyone has ever shown us ever as far as i know about how this country came to be the spells that made it the secret societies that crafted it and the alchemic the al the, the the misuse of alchemy which is what we were starting to talk about in white sands as far as nukes they're nonsense and i can prove it in one sentence there's never been a time in nagasaki or hiroshima when there hasn't been drinkable water plants animals and human beings which proves the description of nukes is false radiation destroys cells radiation pollutes water there has never been a time when those two places have not been occupied significantly it's all poppycock by the way i just got contacted 
by a young lady whose grandmother is a Nagasaki survivor, and we may try to have her on. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that would be incredibly important. I, I definitely would be tuning into that. And yeah, you know, it's it's amazing. I actually had a, a guest on recently who unfortunately doesn't share our opinions, will probably disagree with us, but that's okay. We're not here to agree with everyone. But they mentioned that they left California after the Fukushima thing because fish was such an important part of their diet and they wanted they moved up to Maine where they could still have access to what they thought was freshwater clean healthy fish and i mean going back to this you know brain information age fat and and meat proteins are essential to brain health <laughs> and now they're f telling everyone oh stop eating these things i wonder that does what that does to the collective consciousness at large you know so those folks you just mentioned got out of there just in time i'm so happy they got out of california because right after they left millions of people ate that fish and as we know there was a mass die-off from radiation poisoning it's all fear it's what's driving our world now. There's this invisible thing that you can't see, radiation, COVID, whatever I want to call the next monkey pox, whatever the next thing is, it's imaginary. And the fear of the world mind helps belief set in. Belief is the enemy of knowing. If you believe things, it's generally because you have done zero research and you've made a decision. I'm going to believe in this now. The real catch 22 is for a lot of minds, once you've chosen to believe in a thing, it's very difficult to unbelieve a thing. But, you know, that I remember the fear point. I was in California when they did the land grab, grab called Fukushima. As a matter of fact, there was a guy. This was right on the cusp of when everything was going to start getting pulled and censored and search returns killed. Guy goes to Fukushima wearing flip-flop shorts, local Japanese man, puts a camera down at the gate that says, don't cross here. You can see a clear shot all the way down to around the facility that's supposedly white hot with radiation. He goes down there, walks around for an extended period of time walks back up to the camera and shrugs his shoulders. That video lasted a week or two. This is fear, right? Fear drives our world now. Right. And, and it also proves another thing. Adults are becoming scarce in this world. It is easy to scare a child in a dark room. It's not so easy to scare an adult under the same condition. This is all based on fear. And if you logically break it down, it's based on things you can't possibly see or detect. So they have you afraid of a thing that you can't even prove exists. Right. And by the way, if you set out to prove it exists, you're probably going to end up in one of the camps that are recognizing that this is poppycock. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's these invisible enemies that are encroaching on us. And it's it's like this MK Ultra thing, man. And I want to go back to alchemy because you mentioned James Shelby Downard and you're absolutely right very prolific seminal work with this king kill 33 and all the other stuff that they parse through with michael hoffman's but the alchemical manipulation of the collective consciousness seems to be at the heart of what we were just discussing they're they're playing with the you know biochemistry of our our minds you know pumping them up with adrenaline and fear and and then you know giving us this relief in the form of daddy government or mommy government here to, to save the day and, and fix our imaginary problems. 
it's a hell of a time. And if an act of God or adults don't stand up pretty quickly, we're going to be in a tough place. We're already on, you know, we're already on a road where there's a lot less of us and there are going to be a lot, lot less of us. What Downer did was he proved that how this place has come to be is so far from what we read in our history books and who these people were and how things were named and why geography, what he called geomancy matters, why words have meaning and why magical spells can actually work. It's the misuse of alchemy in one way. Most people think alchemy is, oh, some guy wants to turn lead into gold. Well, yeah. You can turn, you can transmute any metal up the chain. When you get to perfection, that chain for metal is gold. It will no longer rust, oxidize. Gold is gold, representing the sun. But what most people are not aware of, alchemy in procedures like I just described are only a method to teach you how to do that process to yourself, to take your lead fallen existence and transmute it up to perfection in gold. That's what alchemy is actually about. So when you get someone misusing alchemy, as they have done, they go through the negredo phase, which is breaking everything down. The big One of the big things that people might be able to recognize is revelation of method, that wholesale. We, we probably would have had no clue had it not been for Downard and Hoffman what revelation of method is. And it's sneaky beyond sneaky. So they do a thing like 9-11 and they deny it and people start to catch on. This is fraud. And over decades, people point out all the reasons this is fraud. Then sometime in the future, they come out and say, yeah, you were right. It was all fake, but you guys all agreed to it. You knew it was fraud and you did nothing about it. Therefore, you have given us your tacit permission. We have collected it and that's a done deal. And that is the most power, powerful thing you could have given us. This has happened time and time again. And it feels to me like we're at the point where pretty soon, maybe December 7, Pearl Harbor is going to be admitted to be the fraud that it is. The JFK pantomime, that will be openly admitted for what it was. And when that happens, you are in a tight spot because it's done. They did this thing. They lied about this thing. They changed the entirety of the course of where our trajectory was headed. And then later when they admit, yep, you guys knew it was wrong. You did nothing about it. There's no adults in the room. Thank you for the permission you've given us. And now we're on to the next thing. And you're still suffering from the first things we did. That's kind of in a poorly described nutshell some of the things that downard and hoffman provided us oh don't give yourself that i can't come close to the journalistic yeah. integrity of mr hoffman his vocabulary his schooling his journalistic integrity i can't come close um well the and, listeners of this show they, they're familiar with hoffman and uh and you do a good job of paraphrasing crow so don't discredit yourself too much now i wonder when it comes to the timing of these things, because we both know how you know detailed the King Kill 33 ritual was. I wondered if it lined up with the age of Aquarius and having you here, Crow, someone who knows as much as you do about the sky clock. Do you think that this concerted effort to obfuscate our 
understanding of our relationship with the the sky and the, the natural cycle and rhythm do you think that was a sort of prerequisite for them to have this control over us uh, you know disconnecting us from the natural rhythm of course it started openly what we the first time we're probably aware of it is the vatican they suddenly make up a word pagan which basically means if you look at the definition someone who's living close to nature they make these people less than evil, a problem, persecutable, because they're not in lockstep with what the church is saying. So these pagans got to go. What you're looking at is the separation of human beings from the natural cycles of the world. Or another way to say that is separated from the creation. When I wake up in the morning and I go outside, everything I see is the creation. When the sun goes down, I look up, everything I see is the creation. And we have been wholesale separated from it. And the way it was done was through hyper-materialism. Well, you don't need a campfire anymore. We've got heaters. Want a heater? Here's a heater. Would you like to go see your aunt 500 miles away? Guess what? We got cars now. Here, grab this car. By the way, you don't got to grow your own food anymore. We got supermarkets. And by the way, the people that grow the food for the supermarkets don't give a damn what season it is. So you want a banana? You can have a banana year round now. But we hit 2020, didn't we? And now the piper's going to get paid. How do you guys like your car? Can you make a car? I don't think you can make a car. We can make a car. So here, would you like a car? And by the way, there's a new cost. Almost your soul is the new cost. You show me your Vax passport. You show me whatever the hell I want to make up if you want to use these goods and services. You see, the communities that were almost unaffected like the Mennonites and others. Uh, matter of fact, we did a show where one of our guests is very tight with one of these communities and he went in and he taped it on his phone and he asked, how come your community is unaffected by COVID? And the, the old man looked at him and said, because we don't have TV. What does TV have to do with the disease? You see where this is going. So what's happened here is the creator of this place, this realm, made us all beneficiaries so we could survive. It will give us everything we need to survive. But he gave us the divine spark, or maybe I should say the creator gave us the divine spark, free will, and made us beneficiaries. And we've squandered it. We've squandered it to the point where we're in dire straits for some period of time now. And they have obfuscated the sky clock which is the arbiter of everything that happens here. It's the only reason time exists in, in a measurable way. When your wristwatch or your cell phone tell you it's not noon, it's not noon. It's an approximation. Noon is when the sun is at solar apex for the day, and it varies every day because the sky clock is varied. But to prove my point, the foundation of what it means to exist in this place is at the micro, there will be some period of light and some period of darkness. What causes it? Sky clock. On a slightly more macro, there will be a really hot part of the year, a cooling part of the year, a freezing part of the year where you better have your crap together or you could die. And then there will be a renewing part of the year. What causes it? Sky clock. You don't need to know anything more about the sky clock to comprehend what I have just told you. When you go down to the beach and the horseshoe crabs come in to replicate, which they have done for millennia, what's causing it? Specifically the moon, generally the sky clock. 
The claimed largest living thing in our world is supposedly at the Great Barrier Reef. There is a time, and I think it's November, every year when that entirety, mass of life, biggest mass of life, replicates what causes it, sky clock. So now you can start to grasp what was done. And the sad part is, is we did it to ourselves. I don't want to go out into the field and have to weed and hoe and plant and harvest. I'd prefer to have a grocery store. Unfortunately, that grocery store is owned by a multinational corporation that is now making a run on the world. Government schmoverment. We're richer, we control all the resources, and we've bought our way into almost everything that matters. And a corporation is an affront to the creation. It is a dead thing that is given the rights of a living person. Even the word tells you what it is. Corpse oration, the speaking dead. It has no concern for living men and women. By law, it has to make more money each year, and they have to so-called feed the corporation. By law, better every year. You could be removed from a board if you don't treat that corporation in the way that will allow it to make more money and more money and more money. And there will never come a time when a corporation hits its peak productivity, where it's the best it can do. And the CEO says, guys, we've done it. We've reached the Mount Everest of corporations. Everybody stop. We are at the plateau of how we can operate. Never happen. It will continue to push on and on past its best, past everything. Just keep pushing which is how I knew what social media would do. I wrote the about page at crow777radio.com in 2013. The entirety of my about page is about freedom of speech. No one around me had any inkling. Most people around me had no inkling that the free speech was taken over. It was the new public square. The multinationals own it. So how is it that all these Americans that came up saying we we free speech is our basic right and it just evaporated overnight? And it, you know, we used goods and services from a corporation. Right. Sorry, I got interrupted there, but um sorry, that was a long soliloquy. No, and and it definitely fits into where I want to go next. Do you, do you need to take a pause for a second? No, I'm all good. Okay. No, I'm all, I'm all good. So, you know, it's, it's pretty clear that these, and I love how you broke that word down to corpse oration, the speaking dead. It's clear that this is a sort of satanic influence on the planet. This corporate, you know, corporate corptocracy, we should call it what it is. And we see people responding to this by, getting closer to nature and as you know all too well part of the deception is is fooling us into thinking that the earth is weak and we've controlled it and we've dominated it and you know we we've we, squeezed we it dry it red button right. right we can destroy it with a red button no you can't <laughs> right and we have this you know body of of knowledge that's been put forth by you know what I think is the invisible helpers sort of speaking like muses through these, you know, what we call geniuses. But some examples, Rudolf Steiner, Victor Schauberger. I was reading a little bit of Victor Schauberger last night to get prepared for this. And, and he said that fresh water and all the water for that matter is the blood of Mother Earth. Right. And, you know, I, I think that given that we're in these kind of dire straits, Maybe we should spend the rest of our time talking about solutions and, and how people can get off the grid and, and 
connect with nature, create their own devices that can purify their water and do some really astounding things that the media would never want you to know about. Well, that's, you know, there's nobody I know has a crystal ball. Well, actually some people may sort of have a crystal ball that are much higher than I am. You've got to separate from the goods and services. The goods and services have been taking over, taken over by the talking dead corpse orations, and there's going to be new prices for those services now. Like, did you get our poison shot into your vein here? Block your spirit, cover your spirit, put this mask on and cover your spirit and breathe your exhaust fumes all day long. That's healthy, right? Every doctor in the world should know that's <laughs> beyond the pale. And yet, what do we see? So getting your own food, becoming more self-sufficient, that's the only way, unless things change. This whole thing could implode under its own weight. It's run by jackals gone wilder than I don't know what. And, you know, we know how that acts. Maybe there will be an infight by the people pulling all the strings at some point. Maybe the queen mother, that old bag of dust will drop dead. Who knows what will happen? An act of God. But if this continues, look at the, the Mennonites and other groups like that. There's only one reason they're unaffected. They make their own stuff. They do not require goods and services. And they sure as hell didn't get into the tracking device that's in every pocket listening to me right now. That device will be the bane of your existence if we keep on where we're going a short time in the future. It will track everything you say, everything you write, every image you take, every step you take, everywhere you drive, everything. It will. It's a bug. Put in your pocket, but much worse than a bug, because the data collected will be data mined automatically by AI, and they'll deduce whatever they want. I did a show on AI when the first really good book on AI was published by a lady named Shoshana Zuboff. The name of the book is The Age of Surveillance Capitalism. It is thick. It's about three, four inches thick. And when I went through that, Everything I'd been saying was not only confirmed, but it had gone far beyond. And how I try to describe it is, well, let me let me tell you the tale. So they're making AI and they want to beat someone playing checkers and they work and work and work and work. And finally, the AI beats a guy playing checkers. They do all these other things. Finally, they want to take on the chess master of the world. Most people remember this. They fail. They fail. They win a game, they're still not taking it all. And then all of a sudden they're taking it all because the AI learns at a clip that a human being cannot. And then they realize the game of all games, which will prove whether AI can do where they're aiming it is a game called Go from Asia. The number of moves from the get-go is astronomical and they can't do it. They keep trying to beat it. They have their code writers and scientists assisting the AI. They cannot beat a go master. So then a guy has a genius moment. Well, an evil genius moment. He says, you know what we'll do? We'll pull all the human beings out of the equation. No more help from the living. We will write code that allows the AI to make more AI to solve little problems along the way. They beat the go master in 72 hours. And since we know that it is compounded the learning speed since we know that once a mistake is made it'll never happen again once a problem is solved it'll never happen again the entirety of the internet it is claimed will be run by ai by 2025 
Now to get back to the point of what's in your pocket. It has been said, I said it before I ever read that book. And in the way she described it, it's far beyond what I was saying. If they wanted to, they could go grab all the data that you have so blindly given away from your library card, your medical records, which, by the way, are no longer protected. HEPA, SHMEPA, they grab anything they want and they do it with impunity. They get all your records, all your tweets, all your emails, all your everything, and they can deduce what day you will die down to the minute, what will kill you and in what group of people that makes you since everyone's been kind of grouped off. That's the claim of AI. And people say, come on, that's nonsense. Well, let me give you an example. Vegas was built on the law of large numbers and the wisdom of the crowd. You can look either one of those two things up. Look up the law of large numbers. I'll describe wisdom of the crowd. We go to a county fair and we pass this table and there's this big, big mason jar full of gumballs. And there's a sign there that says, guess how many gumballs, whoever gets closest to the actual number will win $1,000. So all these people are coming. Well, I think there's 500. Some people are ridiculous. I think there's half a million. Some people are ridiculous the other way. I think there's 100. Clearly, there's a lot more gumballs. By the time a few hundred people have guessed, when you average every guess, you're within about 10, 20%. When you start to get up into thousands of people, you're within 1%. If you do it long enough with enough people, you're on the money every time. How can that be? That's wisdom of the crowd. That is such a low level of achievement compared to what AI can pull off now. Because everybody is interacting with the idea of gumballs. In other words, my guess is directly related to the gumballs. What AI does is derives things like when you will die from information that seemingly has nothing to do with when you will die. And AI is a nightmare world coming. And people like to say, well, what is the new world that might get here? I would suggest to you that is technocratic communism. It's just communism with the worst police you've ever seen because AI is the police. The cell phone in your pocket is the police. The digital realities of our time are the police and you can't cheat because data is data. Mm. Right. And when we're, and should we go to the law of large numbers? I'm not sure if you were rhetorically asking me to look that no, up, I but think, I did. I think, I think people should look it up and just become familiar and mm. reason out. These are low. This is the old technology. The law of large numbers is old mathematical breakthroughs or genius, whatever you want to call. It doesn't even uh, arrive in the ballpark of what collecting a billion bits of information a second and processing two trillion of them in five seconds doesn't even step up. See, everybody knows when you average numbers, the more numbers you have, the better the average is. Well, now think about an endless stream of data. As a matter of fact, it's a bit of a time machine. Since we can now say that the data they're collecting is endless. If they collect every single thing posted everywhere in the world today, guess what? In the time they were doing that, more data was posted. And there's tomorrow. So the sheer volume that's being burned through by computers. And the other problem with this is no human being can possibly comprehend how the AI even beat the Go Master. You know why? Because it did trillions of, of thoughts a second or calculations a second. A human being could sit down to look at the record for the rest of his life and not even begin to dent the processes that were achieved. 
Wow. And that's a scary, a scary thing on the face of it. That starts to knock on the door of the matrix, right? Like who's in control here? Mm. The AI or us? We, we don't even know how the AI is doing what it's doing. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Crow, you've mentioned so many, so many important things. I do want to highlight the book you mentioned uh, by Shoshana Zuboff, The Age of Surveillance Capitalism. Definitely recommend people pick that up before it's too late. And when it comes to this whole deception, it seems to me like they're <clears throat> overcompensating and maybe I'm an optimist, but I feel like even still with all that you just described, Crow, they haven't defeated the power of the human spirit. And I know you'd agree with me, but I, I understand your concern and, and you do a great job of, of relaying this concern in a lucid way. So people actually take action in their life, which is something, unfortunately, that many don't, even though there are so many impactful voices like yourself in this alternative community. But if we could get down to the practical advice when it comes to defending your privacy, defending your security and becoming more sustainable. And, and as you said earlier, not relying on their goods and their services. Do you, do you have anything to share or add in the vein of, of practicality and, and defending yourself? So I had a YouTube account with over 100,000 followers deleted. They put it back three weeks later. Before that happened, my name gave 25 million returns. After that happened, it gave about 1,000, maybe two. And what's funny now is it'll give you a few pages, but after the first two pages, it's all replicated searches. There's the control of what's gone on. Don't use social media. Don't use your phone to communicate endlessly via text and voice. There was a time when a phone call was a thing you did a couple times a day. There's no need to be giving out this much data. I have over, well, almost, they won't let me clear 200,000, which I don't care. I put up one minute videos saying, go to my website now. I have almost 2,000 followers and I have a Twitter account. I do not communicate on either one of them. Every description of every video is wishing everyone a healthy, happy, and higher-minded new era. Every title is a roundabout that they can't possibly determine what I'm speaking about. And on my Twitter, it says, hey, man, I put up a new episode if you're interested. Go to crow777radio.com. That's what social media is for. If you are letting it check you into the cheesecake factory to tell the world who could really give a damn, if you are putting up the finite moments of your life, your family's life, if you are friending everybody in the world, they know everyone you've ever known, they know your closest ring, they know everything. Why are you doing this? For what? For your ego? Now, what I just said is going to be offensive to the millennial group because they've never known another time. But those of us who are a little older, remember, we didn't need all this crap. We didn't need a bug in our pocket. If we needed a phone call, we'd make one or two a day. If we were a busy person, we might make a few or lots a day. But it wasn't in our pocket every second of every moment. You right. got to recognize what your data is doing to this world and to you personally. If you draw the ire of someone, they've got your life record in their pocket. They know where you go every day. They could predict where you will be next Wednesday at any given time of the day to a 98% certainty because of the track record that you've left. In the movie, The Winter Soldier by Marvel, they told you the God's honest truth. 
the 20th and 21st century are an open book. And there's a guy who created an algorithm way back in the 30s that taught us how to read this book. And in that example, we will kill millions of people simultaneously because we know through the algorithm, there'll probably be a problem 10 or 20 years from now. They told you the truth. And when we get to social ratings, which were already there, it's just not open in our part of the world yet, you will get a text that says you just lost 10 social rating points. Your interest rates just went up. Your ability to rent apartment may be non-existent and on and on it goes. Or you might go to get money out of the bank when we've gone digital. Sorry, you can't have money today. You never renewed your driver's license. How loud is that? Terrible? Oh, no, no, no. Like I okay. said, we, we have the... We have a pretty good editing program, so we shouldn't. It shouldn't even make it into okay. the final edit. Perfect. So the the big point here is we've all lived smoking the opium pipe like there's no addiction. Well, guess what? When you smoke opium, you're going to get addicted, and when you get addicted, to get away from it is among the toughest things you'll ever do. This technical world is no different. The police are going away because now they live in your pocket. So you need to think about how you conduct your world much differently than we've done up to now. And goods and services, make the decision. Are you going to be a hyper-materialist or are you going to be a person with spiritual intent? Because there is oil and water. And as Victor Schauberger proved in alchemy, water is one of the four elements, the philosophical elements that make this creation. That other thing, it's like a drug except this drug has a police force that comes with it. Right on. Yeah, no. And <clears throat> well said again, Crow. It's, it's, it's really, really an honor to have you here. I'm wondering, you know, on your thoughts, drugs and, and the world we're in right now, you know, pharmaceuticals seem to be the bane of the human mind right now in this society. But then in the same turn there's certain drugs that seem to offer people uh temporary enlightenment enlightenment where, where do you stand on on the topic of of drugs and you know cannabis we're talking about recreational drugs or pharmaceutical drugs well it seems like uh cannabis is is getting more and more of a corporate thing you know i can't say it's a pharmaceutical although here in the state of connecticut they've renamed the strains to latinize them and it certainly feels like uh a pharmaceutical although i do not patron the government sponsored cannabis shops i still you know frequent the black market but yeah yeah whichever you'd, you'd like to to you know tee off on i know you have a lot of when opinions about a lot of things well, when, when we went into COVID, one of the essential businesses that stayed open was liquor stores. Why is that? Why is it when you go into ghettos, there's a liquor store on every single corner? There's a reason for these things. And if you have a brain, it's obvious why they're there. To make people drunk, to make people diminished. The pot thing, when I was a kid, I smoked tons of marijuana. When I got out of the Marine Corps, it was like rocket fuel, and I never touched it again. I couldn't. It was too much. I'd had all these years running 10 miles a day, and there were five miles a day in the Marine Corps. And when I got out, I smoked a joint. I stared at the bottom of my foot for six hours. It had become very, very potent. 
So now what's going on? Well, it's okay. Everybody smoke pot. Well, part of it is because a lot of people who smoke pot are going to sit there and watch TV. That's what they want. Some people will be highly functional. I have friends that smoke. Uh, look at Greg Carlwood at THC. That guy does soliloquies after you know he just did 10 bongs. I can't imagine nailing a paragraph of text how he is stoned out of my mind, but clearly it doesn't affect him like it affects me. But my point is, why is it okay now? I'll tell you why it's okay now, because everything will be controlled if they get their way. There will not be a single commodity in this world that is not within their purview and gateway. This will become the nightmare happening when digital currency takes main stage if it is allowed to. The day that so-called crypto becomes the main game in, ha in town, human beings will have lost more freedom than any other event in the entirety of human history that I'm aware of. And all the crypto people are going to start screaming and crying, right? I don't care. I know people you don't know, and I knew this was true before crypto was even a thing. Where crypto goes is a nightmare. And if you want the most basic leg up so you can begin to deduce where this goes, you can be cut off for any transaction, blocked by any tra transaction. Don't try to tell me you've got some sneaky new way to sneak on the internet. The internet is controlled. And even if you could do some strange peer-to-peer -peer thing, it would only be a matter of time if they wanted to stop it. As far as I know, the Federal Reserve does not tolerate competition at any level. So whether they stop how you're doing it or kick down your door, one of those things is gonna happen. But words have meaning. What's the first one? Crypt. Is that a, that a good thing we want to be involved in? Are we all interested in getting into the crypt? How about the blockchain? A block is the angles of sorrow. 90 degrees used to be commonly known as the angles of sorrow. We all live in a block now. Every house I know of lives in the angles of sorrow. Chain. Does everyone understand what a chain is? We've come so far that we've lost comprehension that words have meaning. And if you hear a thing, simply stopping and taking apart the word starts to give you an inkling of how you should be feeling, mm. how you might accept or not accept based on what you've learned from such a basic thing. But right. the worst thing about crypto is you will go to get money one day and they'll say, sorry, you're not getting money today. Go renew your driver's license, your smart ID, prove to us you've been vaccinated, whatever they want. That's where it goes. And we did a show on the white paper from the Federal Reserve on the digital dollar where they want it to go. Two things that punch me in the nose. The first thing will be it will be impossible to have a savings account. The second thing was it will be nearly impossible to inherit any wealth you've managed to get down to your kids. But that's a bit laughable because crypto is not wealth. The day we go to crypto, we have agreed that wealth doesn't equal value or value doesn't equal wealth or money doesn't equal wealth anymore. To put that succinctly, when we go to pure crypto, you will never find a person in this world to sell you gold for crypto in return. If you did, they're out of their damn minds. Who's going to trade you electrons on the head of a pin for something with actual intrinsic value? Right. Right. And, you know, I, I had the opportunity of getting on Rockfin. I know you're on Rockfin as well. And I, I definitely take all my Ray, my Ethereum and immediately cash it out because I have that same suspicion and it's working right now. Hey, I'm able to get a little bit more cash in my pocket thanks to Rockfin. So I'm not complaining, but I'm definitely not, you know, hedging all my bets 
on that. So, yeah, that is not an unwelcome message here, Crow. I definitely, you know, if people can make a buck or two using the funny money, sure, good, good for them. But it's not really my knowledge base. I'd probably just end up losing more money <laughs> than gaining if I tried to play well, around with that. What's the one that just lost 90 some percent of its value? Oh, that also yeah. proves something. Any any right. currency that is not stable is manipulated by definition. Rockfin, I don't use. I think Rose is running that. She set it up for me and I said, sorry, I'm not doing it. So I think Rose runs. I don't even I've never even been on oh. the Rockfin with my name. So Rose is running it. But if you're a clever person, sure. People have gotten rich with crypto, but the po- that's not really the point. The point is, is that it is imaginary. It is without intrinsic value. And smart people will say, hell, Crow, we've been there for a while. And you're right. We came off the gold standard entirely in the 70s. That was one of the biggest steps down we could ever took. Every time you're using a credit card, what are you doing? That's basically like crypto. When we're passing this fiat money around, it's just IOUs. I give you one, you give me one. The only reason it works is because we're pretty sure we can hand it to anybody and they'll accept the IOU. But the idea of wealth, that's what is aimed at. There is still a constitutional right that says, and listen carefully, If you buy something like a house with, I don't even know, it's like 20 something or 30 something dollars in specie, gold or silver, you actually hold and own the title. And people are going to say, well, I hold my title now. And I'm going to tell you, no, you don't. You have the right to possess and use. You do not hold title on a damn thing. And I know that to be true because you're not an entitled person. If you were an entitled person, you'd have a title like count or something else. But It is still constitutionally protected for whatever it's worth that if you buy with gold or silver, you can hold the title. The shows I've done with KL prove this. If you're still not following along, how is it that when they build a freeway, they can come into a whole neighborhood, declare eminent domain and take everyone's property? How is it that when the department of somebody gets pissed off, they can take your kids? It's because of what I'm talking about. Mm. You've been handed registrations, certificates. Look up those words. When you register your car, you're basically agreeing that you can hold on to it and use it, but that you don't own it. The birth certificate, it's a very similar thing in a slightly different way. We've walked blindly for a long time now, and now we're, we're, going, we're going through the fire. This is happening. This, this is happening no matter what. Even if an act of God brings it to a halt, we're going to deal with what's happened here. There will be... There already is many fewer people. How come you can't get a plumber out in less than a month? I've had two plumbers in the last six months, and each one of them said, we can't hire people to save our lives, and we're offering five grand to untrained people to train them up to be plumbers with us. Well, where are all these people that need to pay their rent? We're already in the population collapse, and it's going to become evident, very evident as we move forward. Remember the end game? where they're cleverly showing you all the empty cities. Remember Peter Dinklage's, I think we're alone now, where everyone's gone. Where'd they go? What do you think all that's about? When you first see a thing, it's shocking. When you see that thing over and over and over, it becomes subconsciously acceptable on some level. They've already plowed the field in our minds for what may come. It's already coming at some level. But these other things like crypto and money of no value, if we don't demand to go back the other way, then we'll be on our own little places. And the problem with that is, is I imagine they'll say, you don't own this. Get the hell off this land. Right. Where's your title? You know, 
Right. So with that in mind, I mean, do you recommend people move out of the States, find another place to, to live in maybe a different state? I mean, if you had to, to put, you know, your money on, on a place on the globe that looks best right now, as far as sovereignty and freedom, where would you, where would you go? My mentor, Fortune de St. Germain, speaks of creating the new Jerusalem. He has ideas on this, but what I see is people banding together to try to create their own things, their own, get your heating wood, your, your food, things like that, band together. If you really want to know where to go, you know, you're going to go to the out of the way places like, I don't know, Minnesota or, you know, just places that are not immediately mainstreamed that's one idea i can't tell you but what i can tell you is if we group together like-minded people and we do these things the other thing that will happen is a common sense idea will grow because right now people are so separated and then it's you know interrupted by someone saying some ridiculous thing in a comment or a chat room you know whatever it may be so come together with like-minded people and treat all living men and women with compassion. I don't care if they're your worst enemy, treat them with compassion. Think of the person you like least in the world and every day, imagine yourself walking up to them and hugging them without being repulsed. That's the opposite of where we're going right now. And so, yeah, we need to come together. We need to value the creation and the life in this creation above all other things. We need to help everyone that we can help and do your best to get common sense back online. The entirety of what I've done is based on the idea that we're missing common sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And I really resonate with your message, Crow. I think something that we talk about in common is is baseline reality. I don't know if you use that phrase, but people need to connect to their baseline reality because we've been given all of these overlays that disconnect us from who we really are, who we're meant to be, who we came here to be. And you know, I hope we can sort of, I don't know how much more time you have to give us, but I hope we can sort of end this on a, a light note, no pun intended. You wanted to talk about the sun and, and the true power of the sun, maybe even what the sun actually is. We're told it's this fiery, hellish ball of burning gas, and I really don't think that that is appropriate. I mean, it's a life-giving object. Clearly, there's something cosmic, celestial, something intelligent even going on with the sun. But what are your thoughts? Well, if you want to be honest, the sun's the light of this world. Without it, there's no light here. There it is. There's your baseline. If I'm wrong, prove it. If I'm right, now you know something to work from. I call it an aperture at this point. But what I know is that the older authors that we have trouble getting a hold of, they know exactly what it was. They're, they're called luminaries and their consciousness. And to try to give someone a way to consider this, I'll ask a simple question. Is the earth, what we call the earth, is it alive? I accept that it's alive. And if I'm standing on a thing, then it's alive and it's part of the creation. How can I look at these other luminaries and not consider them as alive? Everything is alive. Everything has a vibrational rate. The sun is hard to fathom because we've been told so many things that aren't true. 
It's 93 million miles away. It takes eight minutes for this light to get here. How freaking spellbound do we have to believe in such nonsense? It takes light eight minutes to get here. The light from that star took billions of years. The, the star that made it has blown up since it's not even here anymore. And the lights, uh, uh, how much fairy tale are we willing to accept? Where has common sense gone? And even if that was true, isn't it to your duty to stop and say, wait a minute, that's a hell of a claim. That light's been going billions a year and the star's no longer there. Prove it. And when you see how they claim it's true, it's not proof at all. It's just a mind warp, all of it. The sun is and always has been a major part of what it means to be here. One of the most foundational parts, it is referenced in the Bible to a level that I can't even communicate with you. And most people who read the Bible are probably not ready to consider what I just said. So that's on you. Do it or don't do it. It's almost like we're quarantined here. As a matter of fact, I accept that we are quarantined here and we're quarantined in the dark. Except for the sun, which gives us half a day or less, mostly less of light because it's all we can handle. That's why people lose their minds in the polar region where it's like 24 hours a day. They start coming unhinged if they have to tolerate that too long. There's a spiritual aspect to the sun. It creates the foundational truths of this place because I told you before, light and day are foundational for what it means to live here. Seasons are ultra foundational to what it means to be here. Well, thank the sun and the sky clock for those foundations. I consider it at this point an aperture. I filmed a thing that I call the sun we don't see. If I'm right, that's a big idea. And it's been reflected in masonry, woodcut communications or scribing boards, whatever they called them. It's been written about in a lot of places. If it's not true, then maybe it's a reflection on the firmament. But the point is, is what you've been told about it is nonsense. What you've been told about all the luminaries is nonsense. Werner von Braun told us the truth once. You know, the man who supposedly single-handedly made all the rockets that took us to outer space? Well, on his deathbed, he said, please write this on my tombstone, because before I go, I'd like to say one true thing, because everything else he said was poppycock. He wrote a psalm. He wrote his name, his death and birth date, and he wrote a psalm, which encodes 9-11, I think it's 19.1, the psalm. Basically, the handiwork of God is shown in the firmament. Well, which is it, Werner? Did your magical Saturn V rockets take us to the glorious outer space, to these amazing things like the moon, or is there a firmament? Please tell us, Werner. How about you Apollo astronauts who must have been hypnotized when you went into those press conferences and were asked, how did you deal with the Van Allen radi radiation belt? One replies, I'm not sure we went through it. It's all a put up. You do not leave this place with physical matter. You are tuned to this place. This place seems to be a school where you have to spiritually advance. Maybe when you dream, maybe then you get glimpses outside. If you're highly, highly realized meditative master, maybe then you get to see something more than what's in our atmosphere. This place we call Earth and on this side of the boundary. Other than that, what you've heard is provably nonsensical. And the only reason that it sticks is because the people in authority scream bloody, bloody hell 
call you a conspiracy theorist or remove your content to defend the lie that they have to defend for the rest of time. But in short, had we been a culture of people who valued the creation that we've been granted, we would know these things, but we don't spend any time thinking about them. We're more worried with what car we have to have, that we have to work the majority of our life to pay our bills, that we need to come up with rent money, food money. It's all designed to blow your mind from the way we work to the way hyper-materialism shapes every facet for most people right now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's... It's a tough spot, and I love what you said about the earth being in quarantine. It takes me back to an underground rap song by an artist named Cannabis. Actually, I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but he started off a song with a sort of poetic sort of thing about us being in a quarantine, and that always stuck with me from a, a really young age, and the irony shouldn't fall on anybody you know people should recognize the irony in the quarantine specifically after what we just went through but it's interesting you know the space of 40 days is the the actual etymology of the word quarantine and it kind of connects in a strange way to a researcher that i'm very familiar with a man named michael wan and another researcher named ross ben and the research that they've done about the 40th parallel and how they've set up this sort of the founders of the country set up this, you know, 40th by the 40th. There's this whole symbology there. And then to connect it back to what we were saying before about the new Jerusalem, a city not too far from me, New Haven, that word being a Dutch, you know, variation of new heaven. This is all supposed to be New Jerusalem. So I wonder maybe in a in a sort of inverted way, you know, this spell, this dark spell that's been cast by the, the planners will be inverted by, you know, and again, I'm the optimist here possibly, but it will be inverted and transmuted from lead to gold by us the 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 bearers of this spiritual torch the people who not we specifically but the people who carry this energy of light and truth into the future despite the despotic technocratic corptocracy i think everybody needs to remember that everything that happens in this world by authority is an offer and if you take that offer you've agreed everything is an offer and if you chicken out and say well i would have lost my job if i didn't accept this offer then go ahead and chicken out what's more important your freedom your free will your soul which you can't really sell that but you see where i'm going here or holding on to your spiritual what you know to be right there is no higher choice to be made than you personally doing what you know to be right true and correct and spiritually acceptable there's no higher thing to do in this world right now. Well, maybe there is one higher thing, to treat all others with compassion. And by the way, there's about to be a lot less others. There already is. We're just starting to notice. It's going to get freaky here pretty quick. How far it goes, that's on us. But there is nothing put before you that you can say no to.
There may be slap back. There may be things you don't like, but almost to a person, the people who faced their fear, walked away from their job that they'd had forever. They communicate to me. It's almost like the door slammed in my face and this brilliant new window opened. There is always by universal law, there has to be a way out. You cannot be outright trapped. There cannot be a bear trap put in the woods that is so well hidden you couldn't possibly know there. If you get caught in a trap like that, your universal rights have been violated. Unfortunately, what we see is they'll put a sign in the wood full of bear traps where there might be bear traps. Maybe you shouldn't go here. And they think that covers it. That's enough. You've been warned. It's pretty flimsy. My point is... Every single thing put before you is an offer. Universal law protects your right to have a spiritual point of view. If you do the right things and you make the correct decisions, it will always be so. I'm not telling you it's going to make life easy because I think easy life is behind us for a while. Yeah. Well, Carl, this has been a true honor talking to you here, sir. Uh, I know you don't have much more time to give us, but I'd like to read this Anasazi prayer. And I've never done this before on the podcast, but I think it's important and it might resonate with you. Earth spirit, spirit of our grandmother, may you live in peace and harmony and dwell in everyone's heart. Earth spirit, spirit of our grandmother, may you live in youthful beauty and receive respect and honor. Earth spirit, spirit of our grandmother, May your sweet face remain unchanged through time and may all life give thanks for your being. And, you know, I wanted to read that because it's important to remind people, you know, everything you said, I wanted to highlight that we are living components of this living earth. And by raising ourselves to this higher awareness that conversations like this touch on and, you know, the body of your work and research lend to people it, it's it's what we need to do, you know, and, and not everybody is going to have this same sense of optimism, but I think it's important to, to do that, even if it, even if it, it feels like you're, you know, one voice in an ocean of, of many dissonant voices. But here we are in the now. Crow, any thoughts that you'd like to end with here on the My Family Thinks nice. I'm Crazy podcast? It's nice to hear that you reached back in time and plucked proof that there were cultures that respected the creation and had compassion for life, because that's among the things that we've lost. This doesn't have to go badly all the way through, and any individual can have the power to pull themselves up and out to some degree. We're going to have a tough time, though. I think that's pretty certain we're going to lose a lot of lives. We're already losing a lot of lives. In the last seven days, I have heard every day someone dying of a heart attack or a stroke. And these were young, healthy people. And I don't even need to mention what I know is in common with each of them. They took a terrible offer. Having said that, all you have to do is not accept things that are unacceptable. All you have to do is try to find others of like mind, have compassion, respect the creation, pray every single day and give thanks for what we've been granted here. And never forget that at the zygote, nine months before your birth, you were granted the most precious of gifts, the divine spark, free will, and you were given beneficiaryship of this creation. 
These are critical things. Well said. Well, thank you, Crow. We'll have all of your links in the description. People can go to your website directly, become a supporter of your work, and get access to the whole shebang of all your content. You got a almost 400 and something episodes now you've got videos there obviously we don't need to get into the youtube censorship but that's why we need to support independent researchers and voices like crow on their own platforms yes people you might be listening to the audio version of this show on youtube but please i encourage you uh, delete your youtube account Download a podcast app and start uh, dealing with this in a decentralized way because RSS feeds are decentralized thanks to Adam Curry and the Podcasting 2.0 Index. So, you know, conversations like this will be preserved on the Internet so long as that index is up and running and connected in the way that it is. But Crow... Thank you so much for being here and the folks listening. Thank you so much. Enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. At the beginning of this podcast, you heard the song produced specifically for the My Family Picks Up Crazy podcast that was produced, created, wrapped by the group known as Destiny Lab. You can find them on YouTube. Then you heard a song called Hustlers Anthem by Ghost Beats. And now we'll be listening to my new friend, Alizna, and his album, Only in the Milky Way, during this extended outro. And of course, our new outro produced by the very same Olizna, the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy song. That's all it is. That's what he titled it. And I love it. So I hope you do too. And uh, of course, enjoy the music, baby. And Crow Triple Seven makes his My Family Thinks I'm Crazy debut. That's right, Crow Triple Seven. So many interesting conversations that I've heard Crow a part of on many different podcasts since I've been a fan of this podcasting world, since I've been a listener, a learner, a researcher of my own. I have factored in crow's theories and although i do not subscribe 100 to everything crow espouses i do find it really inspiring i think not only is it inspiring to see someone question the narrative in such a radical way but in that radical re-examination is some very sober and sound research Crow Triple Seven is a unique guy. He definitely seems, you know, and this is just my opinion. I could be wrong. I'm not a perfect judge of character, nor do I think I should be. But I do feel like Crow Triple Seven is fairly black pilled. And yes, I hate using those terms red pill, blue pill, white pill, black pill, whatever. It's all just, uh, another way of separating us right so in reality crow and i are both just human beings crow is very focused he's very particular 
in the realms that he focuses on. And he's very well-researched. He deserves to have the opinions he has. If you put in that much time, why not, right? Like I said, I don't subscribe to everything Crow says, but I definitely find it fascinating. It's worth talking about here on this show. And it's about time. I was hoping to get a more optimistic take from Crow, and we did, even if it only was a couple sentences. Then again, the point of this show is to not see everything from my perspective or couch everything with my perspective. My perspective is just the catalyst that gets these conversations going, and there are better shows that go further in depth and miss no details and all that stuff and that's great and maybe I once aspired to be that meticulous with this show but really I'm starting to realize that what's so fun and so important and so impactful about this show is the flow the now the moment staying present those things are important yeah I'm still going to talk about history we're going to talk about the past we're going to talk about the ancient past we're going to talk about the moon the sun, the stars we might have people on who say the earth is flat we might have people on who say the earth is round it doesn't really have to be one way or the other as far as our interests on this show goes so anyways, kind of rambling a bit here, but this is what we this is what we stick around here for on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast to hear Mark's raw, unfettered, unfiltered thoughts. I'm just chilling right now. It is a Wednesday afternoon, 4.20. We started this at 4.20. Put my 4.20 blunt in the air. Let's spark it up. If anybody out there just smoked and listened to this interview... Here I am, two days in the past, speaking to you a day or two in the future. But if you are on the Patreon, if you are a supporter on the Patreon, you're probably listening to this today on Wednesday because every time I finish producing an episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, it goes straight to the Patreon. I always try to do my best to get the post-production after the interview done as soon as possible so I can get it to the patrons I don't think you guys should have to wait yes I always release shows on Mondays Wednesdays and Fridays why do I release shows on Mondays Wednesdays and Fridays well you see I work for an awesome podcast called tinfoil hat and they put their shows out typically on Tuesdays and Thursdays, right? So if you listen to both shows, you, you could essentially get hooked up and know that you got one new awesome podcast to listen to every day of the week. And that's not to mention, I mean, Tripoli in and of himself is already doing that with the seven podcasts that he does, literally one for each day of the week, even though he does some twice a week and so on and so forth. But you get the point tinfoil hat all 
respect goes to them. If it wasn't for that show, I wouldn't be in this position that I'm in right now. Sam inspired me. He talked me into starting this podcast in a way. I was already way on board. It didn't take much convincing. I was already primed and ready. I was already (laughs) prepared in the invisible college to do this sort of thing without even really knowing myself that I was being educated in the invisible college. But and, and I'm talking about a metaphorical invisible college here, folks. Don't start getting suspicious. I know my buddy Ryan Bledsoe believes in a real, actual invisible college, and maybe him and I are talking about the same thing, but me, I'm a little grounded in the physical at this point in my life. I've yet to have any transformative spiritual uh, experiences that involved visions of things that are not normally classified as waking reality or waking consciousness so i i mean i think bledsoe kind of has the opposite of that he's had many experiences in the subtle realms or the otherworldly realms and so has several members of his family so i didn't mean to pick on bledsoe there i love ryan he's a great dude just really using his perspective to juxtapose against my own now that's not to say that i haven't had spiritual experiences uh i just haven't had anything that you could classify as an otherworldly encounter uh whether through psychedelics aliens or any other folklore mythological uh occult esoteric experience yeah those all of those words are really not it beating around the bush (laughs) is what i just did there liminal experiences that's the best word a liminal experience because liminal just means the in-between it's like the twilight in between the the point in the day when the sun is set and the night sky rolls into place that is twilight that is liminal space and the twilight zone an excellent tv show is one of my favorite TV shows ever. When I was a kid, I used to watch all those old television programs while I would sit and hang out at my Meme and Pepe's house. And they were well into their 60s and 70s when I was just a, a kid. So they were quite old for as far as grandparents go. My Meme is still alive. Shout out to you, Meme. God bless you. Um, And I would watch these amazing classics with my Pepe. He used to work in a movie theater in Canada. He actually dropped out of school in the fourth grade uh, to get a job. That's just the way the world was back then. And he was one of seven brothers and dad was already working his ass off. And his older brothers, some of them went off to war and some of them were in the army and National Guard. So he needed to put some help, put some food on the table, help his mother and his father out. His father was a, a tough frontiers type man installing telephone poles in the street, using dynamite to get the holes started. I mean, come on, folks, this is kind of wild, kind of wild to imagine. So these are the stories I heard when I was a kid and. Twilight Zone was one of many TV shows that I witnessed with my grandfather. Uh, Bruce Lee movies were another one, even though my 
Pepe liked Chuck Norris much better than he liked Bruce Lee. I was always sticking up for Bruce Lee. Um, and yeah, I don't know how I got down that tangent, but we're going to pull our pull myself out of it. Twilight, right? Twilight Zone. Uh, Twin Peaks is also kind of on mine because of a couple conversations that I've had recently. One with Michael Wan. One with a future guest who I'm very excited to present to this audience. And one with my friends Juan and Chris on the Illuminati Confirmed Patreon podcast, which you can only find on my Patreon, Juan's Patreon, and Chris's Patreon if he ever makes one. So yeah, that's a bonus show. And if you sign up for the Patreon, like I said earlier, you'll get early releases. You'll get the bonus show for Illuminati Confirmed. And you also get a monthly show that I do uh, for just you, the patrons. I give you all spirit animal names, welcome you to the family. Uh, I talk about some messages that I've been sent recently from you guys. Whatever is most interesting read comments that you guys have maybe stuff that's in the telegram and then i also take you through my open tabs that's right i have many instances where i sit at my computer and i find weird stories i find random strange events and one story will lead me to another which will lead me to another and eventually there's a whole group of stories and last time I attempted this type of episode. It was very fun, very interesting. And we learned about Leslie Lynch King Jr., which I don't think you would have even guessed that there is a president of the United States whose name was Leslie Lynch King Jr. by birth. His, his was not sworn in under that name. He legally changed his name, uh, I think, upon college or high school graduation but I won't say who but you gotta go listen to the Patreon to find out who that is but yeah quite a fascinating story with Leslie Lynch King Jr. seems to me like he could be a perfect candidate for an example of a Manchurian candidate or a MK Ultra president very interesting huh anyways here we are this episode with Crow 777 was recorded on June 3rd and it is released on June 17th. It is the 177th episode and of course that is three sevens matching Crow 777. I usually do not plan that kind of stuff, those kind of coincidences till the week prior. So it's really out of my control. It's not like I was sitting on this Crow 777 episode for a month hoping that there would be a, some sort of 7 date coming up. But it ended up working out that 177 was only a couple episodes away by the time I recorded this. So I said, you know what, we're going to put Crow 777, bump him up on the list a little bit and also give... You guys, a Friday episode. I know summertime, the listenership goes down a little bit. People are out, they're going on vacation, they're doing stuff. I'm sure you still got plenty of time to listen to podcasts, whether you listen to them in your car, while you're mowing the lawn, while you're waiting on the bus, while you're waiting in an airport to get on a plane. Maybe you listen to them while you're on the plane, download them in 
keep your phone in airplane mode. Shit, I haven't flown an airplane in decades, so I have no idea how that works, but I'm sure you'll have time. I listen to podcasts almost constantly. It's probably uh, a bad thing at this point in my life, so uh, I'm sure any amount of podcast listening is good enough for you, however much that is for you. And why not have more My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcasting? You can never have enough, you know? Just have some more. Take your fill. But here we are with Crow Triple Seven. Very interesting stuff. We got into a couple different topics that I did not expect to get into as usual. Like I said, I, I try to be prepared, I try to research for these interviews, but at the same time, Sometimes I feel like it's just best to throw the notes on the floor, cross your fingers, and hope for the best. And I mean, I've been having conversations with people since I could talk, you know? And who hasn't, right? I I was shy, sure. There were times in my life where I probably should have or could have spoken more. But I think I've grown to have a knack for conversations and if you agree please give us a five a star review a rating join in on the telegram tell us your comments and of course support us on patreon on rockfin on buy me a coffee on ko-fi ko-fi uh, code-fi.com you can also send a one-time donation via cash app venmo or paypal whichever way you'd like to pay just know that I cannot keep this show going without supporters like you. And speaking of some really awesome people who have donated to the show recently, shout out to Alessandra Bonifacio. Thank you, Alessandra Bonifacio. I hope I pronounced your lovely last name correctly. Um, who else? Shout out to Michelle Burr. Shout out to uh, Gabriella. Oh, Gabby. Hey, Gabby. Shout out to you, Gabby. Thank you for the support. Shout out to Michael LaCroix. Shout out to Kent. Shout out to Isaac, a.k.a. Dr. I. Shout out to TR. Big help from TR. Uh, Big help from Dr. I, I should say, as well. Very kind, very generous, and it helps. Trust me. Um, (laughs) You know... I took a risk. I took a big risk doing this podcast thing, and uh, it's not easy paying the bills right now. I don't see that being the case for very much longer. I have a lot of confidence in myself, my ability, not just to generate income through this podcast, but to generate income through being a podcast entrepreneur. You may know I started a podcast cooperative, uh, There is no profit involved in that at all, but it has led to some cool opportunities here and there, still working on growing what I do into a more self-sustainable model. So if there's anyone out there who thinks they may need my advice about starting a podcast, about navigating the world of podcast marketing maybe you have a business and you want to know how you can get out there sure my audience might not be huge enough to make it worth your while to you know throw me some money monthly for a sponsorship 
If you're interested in that, please email me. I am willing to do sponsor, you know, in episode reads. For example, I would read it right here, right now, if I had anything to read. We were sponsored for one month uh, by a flat earth granola company. Shout out to them. So yeah, I'm not opposed to doing sponsorships. Those are more personal. Uh, I've always been against ads. I don't think that ads should be broken into the conversation with my particular show. Other shows, it works. I have no complaints about hearing them on other shows. It's just my show, personally, not something I want to do. But I would like to do some sponsor red ads. Not my point, though. I do think I can also be a great help as a consultant to really anyone um, not just for podcasters, not just for creative types, but, you know, I've had a lot of life experience. And if you like my perspective, if you like what I have to offer in the form of conversation, I am going to offer up my schedule to do one-on-one meetings with anybody who would like to have a one-on-one meeting. Uh, now there is a cost to you because I don't, <laughs> I don't plan on wasting my time uh, and I'd like to filter out the people that just want to tell me how much they love my podcast. Hey, don't get me wrong. I love compliments and I'll take them. But it does become a little uncomfortable sometimes when people are showering you with affection uh, when you haven't met them before. Because trust me, I know I'm a listener of podcasts too. I know how intimate it could be sometimes listening to a podcast you feel very close you feel a personal connection uh, but unfortunately I don't know that you're listening to my podcast so (laughs) unless you reach out to me and tell me you love it uh, I don't know you that well so working on getting past that and I think this could be a good way to do it uh, because I do love meeting new people and talking to new people and I don't want there to be any social barriers between me and anyone Uh, being a podcast host doesn't make me any different from any other normal person I just do something that I like and I do it well so if you think you can benefit from my advice benefit from just talking and uh, having you know me lend an ear and maybe some sympathy or some advice or whatever it is you think I can contribute to your life do not hesitate Uh, I would much rather get paid to sit at my computer and do something that feels fulfilling than go and make money doing odd jobs, landscaping, and all this other crap that I've been trying to squeeze together and sort of finagle in order to afford where I'm at right now. So I know these extended outros have been a little bit like a plead for money and all that and i'm sure people who don't have the patience for it just tune out which is fine i can't tell how long you listen to the episode anyways um but yeah if you are here and you have listened this long then i know you care and i really do appreciate that i've you know sort of prided myself in how committed and loyal i can be to certain podcasts and i think there's a karmic benefit to that i've been a supporter of several podcasts for the past four or five years and i don't think i would be where i'm at if i didn't make that choice Uh, i did not have a lot of money at the time 
And I said, you know what? Even though I don't have a lot of money, I'm not making a lot of money, I'm going to support these shows on Patreon and on their various websites. And karmically, it has done wonders for my life. Like I said, I'm still not all the way there. If I was, I'd be looking for causes to get behind rather than telling you I'm a cause to get behind. But that's how this works, folks, right? You pass it on to me and I pass it on to the next person and like attracts like and the universe helps those who help others, right? So this is where we're at, folks. If you need some help from the universe, consider getting that fast track to the karma cash by supporting me with a one-time donation. It's super easy. Just go into the episode description and see what wonders you can unlock. If you want to stick around longer, sign up on the Patreon, sign up on the Rockfin. I could use your support. And the more folks who support this show, the more time I can put into the show. I mean, I'm already doing like three episodes a week at this rate. Uh, I might have to slow it back down to two episodes a week if we don't get more support soon. But yeah, hey, I mean, if things go great and we're getting thousands of dollars a month on Patreon, I'll do five shows a week just like Sam Tripoli does. I mean, shit, Tim Dillon only does one podcast a week and he's making 800 something thousand dollars on Patreon, probably more. So anyways, this outro has gone on long enough. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. Shout out to Halizna for the awesome rap song you're about to hear. Peace. Extra terrestrial, trying to stay human in a cesspool of professionals. But I confess too much off of the tongue. All my aunties and my uncles shield the ears of the young. I be singing shit and they don't know where it's coming from. And like a hundred years, we went saw a bomb with guns. Check the facts, check the fed, check the stars. Stanley Mines was murked for a water fuel cell car. They each they own, you could stick with your old ways. But eat the rich and drink the motherfucking Kool Aid. And I can see the red on your lip stain. White skin, blue collar, pure American made. Fuck it. Keep your blood soaked heritage And run the soul off the moon landed narrative Yeah, my girl thinks that I'm embarrassing My folks think I'm nuts but never question the parenting Stuck in bed so my boss thinks I'm lazy Connecting dots but it's all kinda hazy Good morning in the net feeling like I'm Dick Tracy My pack thinks I'm on American and shady Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged lately Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily You could tell me that the president's an alien It wouldn't phase me My family thinks I'm crazy Think that I'm off in the deep end. One too many Netflix docs on the weekends. But check the budget for a military defense. Tell me we ain't scared of something not within reason. Steel beams, another 1492. And 9-11 was the red, white, and blue. And you be lit off the floor, and ain't got a clue. All your dreams just shit on a Rockefeller shoes. Don't believe a damn thing a politician ever said. Ain't one brick left to go up in the Fed. They still got bricks of cocaine to make crack. Oxy's killing the working class, FDA's whack. 
Talking like this, got kin talking behind backs. Too much to unpack, so they talk smack. And I'm just trying to converse with my clan, but it ain't fan. So I'm here setting up camp. Stuck in bed, so my boss thinks I'm lazy. Connecting dots, but it's all kind of hazy. Good morning in the net, feeling like I'm Dick Tracy. My pack thinks I'm on American and shady. Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged lately. Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily. You could tell me that the president's an alien, it wouldn't phase me. My family thinks I'm crazy. Anything out, so 